Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is Mike Abadir. Of course, today is Thursday, February 16th. Hope everybody had a nice Valentine's Day. I don't really participate in Valentine's Day. I don't believe in the Hallmark BS holiday. But if you celebrated it with your loved one, hope you had a good one. Man, Pop, uh, let's get right into the Super Bowl because we witnessed a really good one. Probably one of the better Super Bowls we've seen in many, many years. Ended with a little bit of a controversy, uh, but you know the NFL loves that. They always want some kind of attention or something that people could talk about around the water cooler on Monday. But overall, it was a well-played game. Not very many penalties. I think three for 14 yards on one side. I mean, that's just an indicator of how relatively penalty free this game was the chiefs didn't turn over the ball no fumbles no ints the uh philadelphia eagles played a very clean game minus one jalen hurst fumble uh overall really really well played game man what 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 were your impressions of the game i will say this it's not if they ask what type of Super Bowl was this, would you put this in the top 10? You know, Mike? And I say, you know what? You do put it in the top 10. This was a hell of a game because it was a 10-point comeback in the game. Let's just start it off with that. We had a game that could have went – that was the tell two, tell two games, in a sense. We had one half that was dominated by the Philadelphia Eagles in the fashion that they had dominated literally every single team that they played against this season. And they dominated everybody in the playoffs to to get to this point, and they were pretty much the consensus uh, pick to win the Super Bowl as well too. And they went in there and they were up twenty four to fourteen at the half. But we all know if they don't fumble that ball, if we don't get a scoop and score, they possibly are up twenty seven to seven, maybe thirty one to seven, and then we don't even have a game. And so the Philadelphia Eagles, it's just crazy how one play can really affect the total outcome of a game, and it happened at that moment. But I'm going to say this. When we got to the second half, it's going to always get lost in the fold because Mahomes is just such a a rare piece. You know, he, he brings a great quarterback. He brings the great quarterback story, the great quarterback play, you know, and I will say this, the biggest reason why the Chiefs won that game was Isaiah Pacheco in the second half, Mike. Isaiah Pacheco in that hard running that was able to eat up that clock because Mahomes is digging and dunking. And when you're digging and dunking, you need the running game to get those three, four, five yards for you as well too, to chew up that clock. And I felt like when they got that first drive, Pacheco really set the tone on being physical and he got that line going a lot of times the running backs are the ones that the line that gets the line motivated to really start blocking and we all we both know this we've talked to plenty of in plenty of football players and they'll tell you this uh so 
I just really feel like this game lived up to everything it was supposed to end more because you really felt like this game was going to be a close game. It was a close game. You felt like this game was going to really reveal who the star quarterbacks are in the NFL. It did because all in all, Jalen Hurts might have been the first ever guy you said to yourself, if they would have handed him the MVP and a loss, none of us would be mad about it. Because he was absolutely the best player on the field. So I truly do think that what happens here is that we have ourselves a very classic Super Bowl that they'll be able to tell a great tale to, um, that they can tell a great tale to over the coming years. I think it's going to be an NFL Films classic, to be honest with you. And I know it ended on a call that a lot of people were like, oh, man, they should, they, it's a bang-bang. They shouldn't have called it. Dude, they're going to call that call on, at any moment of any game in the NFL. The guy grabbed him, and he even admitted it. So, you know, at the end of the day, their whole, their whole thinking was to make sure Philadelphia didn't get the ball back. So regardless of anything, yeah, it wasn't a catchable ball, but at the same time, too, if he kicks that field goal right then there at the moment, then Jalen Hurts walks out there and throws an interception on the next play, then what are we talking about? So at the end of the day, they did what they had to do to win the game. So I know everybody was pretty mad because you didn't give the Eagles enough time to come back, but that's football. That's what happens when you get the ball last. And it's called strategy for a reason. So at the end of the day, the Eagles had that game won a few times. So losing that game, they can't there's nothing they can be mad about. And at the end of, and pretty much when it's all said and done, they put out the greatest effort that you could put out in a loss, but it is what it is at the end of the day. The Chiefs had what it took to win that game. Patrick Mahomes put on a classic performance. He didn't throw for a lot of yards, but the composure that he had to win that game. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Mahomes fan, but I did tip my cap to him right after that after that uh, performance because he showed his grit, he showed his moxie, and he showed that he had some patience. And that's what won them the game at the end of the day. Absolutely, man. I mean, look. Patrick Mahomes has now elevated his stature just by winning this one game and having now a two and one record in Super Bowls to a conversation where people are going to be asking if he's the greatest quarterback of all time, because I think he's a better player than Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady took advantage of his situations and did things that were unimaginable when he was doing them, namely winning that many Super Bowls and playing in that many more Super Bowls. It's unprecedented. But can we actually say that Tom Brady is a better player? Like, if you had to redraft all the, these guys when they're 23, let's just say, would Brady be your first-round pick, your first overall pick? I don't think he would for me. I would take Mahomes first. I'd probably take Dan Marino first. There's a few that I would take before Tom Brady even. So I think people that see it my way are going to start asking the question. I know you're not a huge Mahomes guy, Pop, 
But I think when all is said and done, if he could get to three, four, five Super Bowl wins, you know, once he gets above three wins or four wins, I should say, now he's above Montana and Terry Bradshaw in terms of rings. I think he could, he'll definitely warrant conversation of, is he the best? And uh, that'll be a fun debate for people. You're going to have your, some people say it's, it's Jordan. You're going to have some people say it's LeBron James, right? The ones that are saying Jordan, they're going to be staunch about their opinion. Uh, the ones that are for LeBron James are going to make a case for it. And I think it's the same thing when you're talking about Mahomes and on Tom Brady. Do I make a point or do you vehemently disagree? Mike, you know, I love you, bro. You know, you're my guy. But we're going to stop playing this game that Andy Reid has another 20 years left in him. Andy Reid ain't got another five years left in him as a head coach in this league. I want to see what Mahomes is without Andy Reid, okay? That's what I really want to see. Because, honestly, let's keep it real. I I gave Mahomes all the props in the world, but play calling was a big factor into why they won that game as well, too. Because I know Mahomes didn't call that play with Sky Moore scoring that touchdown at the end. Or who else? Um, when uh, Tony scored that touchdown. These these are all out the West Coast offense, Andy Reid mind, mind of plays. So, yes, I do feel like Mahomes is going to be up there. But I'm not putting him on Brady level yet because he has some competition here. Joe Burrow is, is going to be a great quarterback. Josh Allen is going to be a great quarterback. These guys aren't going anywhere. I don't see the Chiefs just walking to the Super Bowl every single season. And, Mike, you know it doesn't work like that in the NFL. You know, at some point, you know, they they got to lose guys as well, too. Right now, the Chiefs are in a good spot. They made a lot of good moves moving forward towards their future and everything like that. They invested in the right things like your offensive line. I think that as long as that offensive line can hold up for the next couple seasons, they should be right there in the mix of things. But my biggest thing is, what do we do post-Andy? That's the whole thing. But I would say in this first five years of his career, first five, six years of his career, if Mahomes got up tomorrow morning and said, you know what, I don't feel like playing in the NFL anymore. I want to go play baseball. He would still be a Hall of Famer just in every sense of the word, because it would be the mythical Hall of Famer where it would have been a what if. But I really feel like, you know, he's won some rings, but I feel like Andrew Luck is still better because Andrew Luck was literally playing with nothing. You know what I mean? He played with some good guys, but he wasn't playing with the Andy Reid. You know what I mean? That wasn't his coach. You know what I mean? What if you gave him an Andy Reid? He'd probably still be in the NFL right now. And probably would have won five rings by now. But I digress. For the moment being, yeah, Pat Mahomes is the man. If you if you put a creative player quarterback out there, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. We get it. I get it. But at the end of the day, I cannot keep putting him in the upper echelon of all these great quarterbacks before I know who he really is without that great coach. You know what I mean? But, you know, that's like, discrediting Montana because he had Bill Walsh. You know what I mean? What you can do. Because, you know, Bill Walsh drew up the system and Montana just executed the system. But still, Montana's up there as one of the greats. Same thing goes for Tom Brady. Tom Brady played to a system. So pretty much the system, 
didn't fail because the overall team was great. See, that's what we got to keep remembering. It has to be about the team. And that's where a lot of our favorite uh, players fell short at. Dan Marino never had a great team. That's the thing. Jim Kelly never had a team that finished for him. He had a great team. They just didn't finish. John Elway, he was uh, fortunate enough to uh, get two of them. At this point right now, I would put Mahomes right next to John Elway. I'm not putting him next to uh, Brady yet. Okay, I'm just not doing it because it's just not doing it, Mike. You know what I mean? And I put him a little bit over Marino because he got two rings now. And Marino, you know, we all know Marino only went to one championship. You know what I mean? One one Super Bowl. But we can also say Marino played in probably a tougher era of quarterbacks and defenses as well, too, because, you know, the AFC is a great, is a great conference, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's a conference that you can really you can kind of dominate in as well too. At the same time, because they, they when you look at it, they got three really good quarterbacks, th- three really great quarterbacks, and then everybody else is kind of is really good, you know, that are playing on a good, good team. So, um, is Mahomes the man right now? Yes. In five years, I don't know because the thing is, they they changed the flavor of the week. Every week, right? And you know this. They got it. They got guys right now coming into the league that they feel can be the next one up as well, too. C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or now Will Levis. And now they're even talking about the kid from Florida, Anthony Richardson. I'm really laughing about that one because I said, do you guys know that Florida really was not that good this season? Like, I don't care what y'all think of that quarterback. Why would he even be considered a top five quarterback at this point? Like, you see how, how far they're reaching right now for the quarterback position. So that might go ahead and tell you the greatness of Patrick Mahomes as well, too, because now they're looking for the Patrick Mahomes type. You know I mean? He might not be that great. He might not have all the skills and all the uh, everything you need to be an NFL quarterback, but he has all those things that Patrick got. So maybe he might be able to work. And once you get to that point, you are pretty damn great. Look, Ben, you laid out a bunch of points. Makes a lot of sense. I'm going to throw out like a rhetorical question. or I'll pose it to you. Is it even possible? You were talking about under the Andy Reid system. I get it. Makes a lot of sense. He's with an all-timer. All-time great. Here's the thing. Is there a Super Bowl winner that didn't have a great head coach? I mean, isn't that kind of part of the deal? Like, I think you could win a World Series without a great manager, right? You could get to a World Series without a great manager. Like the Phillies this last year, they got to the World Series. I don't think anybody considers their manager to be a great manager, but they got to the finals. And the reason for that, by the way, is because an NFL head coach and his staff are completely responsible for the plays that are executed. Now you just need the players to execute them. In baseball, there isn't anything like that. Manager's job might not even truly be felt for a handful of years, right? Because he's managing the entire organization, even down to the minors, right? And the development of the minors, and they all report to him. And all the managers, you know, report to the head manager as to the progress of the team and the individual players, et cetera. So baseball... It's part of a process, right? And it filters from the bottom all the way up. The message is sent from the top all the way to the bottom. 
it's not so much a game day management. Although, of course, I don't want to underrate that. Managers do play a role on game day usage of bullpen, especially and hit and runs and strategies, but it's not as closely tied to the result as an NFL coaching staff. You know, you could have a great team. And if it's, if they have, if they've installed a bad game plan, they're not going to win regardless of the players that are playing. So I think it's kind of implicit if you're a team that gets a Super Bowls, you're a team with a with a really good head coach, one of the better head coaches in the league during that time period. I think that's part of, part of the deal, man. So I don't want to penalize Mahomes for that. He happens to be on a good team. Good for him. It would suck for him if he was on a terrible team for all these years and got buried with the Atlanta Falcons. Let's just say, right. Um, I think there's a lot of luck involved in football, man, at the quarterback position. You know, speaking of luck, you mentioned Andrew Luck. He had the bad fortune of of playing on teams that didn't have a well-rounded enough team to get to a Super Bowl for him. You know, he had some pieces, but overall they weren't good enough and they never had a uh, Hall of Fame type uh, head coach. So, Let's get more into that. Let's take a quick commercial timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk more about Patrick Mahomes, about the Super Bowl itself, and maybe even touch on a little bit of baseball. Stay with us, everyone. We'll come back right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel voice america programs are now available on your favorite connected device including amazon alexa and google home through streams with apple podcasts tune in and iHeartRadio. listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast hey alexa play finding your frequency podcast if that doesn't work try adding on tune in or on iHeartRadio or on apple podcasts Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Talking a little Super Bowl 57 with Pop DiBiase, the one and only. And myself, Mike Abbott here, of course. So we were talking about Patrick Mahomes and where he's going to be considered when all is said and done. Where is he considered right now amongst the all-time greats, etc.? It's a fun debate, fun barbershop type talk. I think the story is still being written, so this is probably premature. Um, but I think the point that we left on was head coaching, you know, and how integral that is to the success of a player and to winning Super Bowls and to uh, really, really elevate one's profile to be considered amongst the all-time greats. And I think you made a good point, by the way, when you're talking about Dan Marino and saying that he probably played in a tougher era. And I think it was a tougher era in a bunch of different ways, not only in terms of like every team had a really good quarterback, but also the rule the passing rules were very disadvantageous to Dan Marino, but he still was able to put up ridiculous numbers. Numbers that were so far beyond what anybody else was putting up. You know, it's kind of like everybody right now is throwing 30 touchdown passes, but one guy is throwing like 55. Everybody's throwing for four thousand yards, and then you have one guy that's throwing for six thousand yards. That's how ahead Marino was. He shattered the touchdown record by, like, I think 15 touchdowns or something. I mean, it wasn't like last day of the year gets one TD pass and breaks the record. He shattered that damn thing and set a bar so high. And it really took rule change after rule change after rule change before it could finally be touched. So when you're talking about errors, absolutely, it makes a difference. Now, fast forward to today, Pop. We probably have the weakest overall quarterback roster around the NFL that we've ever seen. Like you said, there's entire divisions that don't even have a quarterback pop. Entire divisions. It's never happened in my lifetime where an entire division doesn't have a quarterback. So many teams don't have a quarterback, a franchise quarterback, as they do today. So Mahomes' competition is pretty thin. He's maybe got like three or four quarterbacks in each conference that uh, that are considered franchise quarterbacks. Beyond that, they're just really, really low tier, mid tier, so so low tier that even a Geno Smith, after eight nine years in the league, can be considered one one of the 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 top you know fifteen quarterbacks in the league. That's how ridiculous it's got, Pop. So I just wanted to touch on those things because you'd made a lot of good points. And I just wanted to come back and say, you know, where I agree with you and where I wanted to add to that, Pop. Well, I to that point, Mike, I think the biggest problem with quarterback development nowadays is the, the high turning and high turnout of coaching staffs. Like, literally, you don't get time to develop anything. You know, at least they used to let coaches, you know, say you were a bad coach in the 90s in the NFL, 80s, 90s they'll let you get four seasons because they felt like, okay, this is enough time to give you an opportunity unless it was really bad, like Richie Kotai bad. 
You know what I mean? Like two and 14 and nobody's listening to you in the locker room. That was the only way you got fired. Okay. Usually when a coach had a one in 15 season, they would say, well, we're building something here, but that coach is going to have to win six to seven games the next season though. You know what I mean? To stick around. But then, you know, if you went five, we'll give you another little chance. And then by season three, they've already got their mind made up that this isn't the guy. Now in the NFL, you hire a coach. That coach lasts 18 months. When he's out, whatever rookie you drafted, he didn't play to the potential he was supposed to play with, even though he had some great games. The next thing you know, you're sending him down the road, and this new coach has to have his quarterback. And the trend just keeps continuing and continuing, 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 and nobody's developing anybody, and everybody's just a half-assed quarterback as they are running around the NFL. And that's what the biggest problem is. At least Mahomes got to be developed because, as they said, there's already in his scouting report that if he would have been a day one starter, he would already been out the league because it just it just wasn't happening. It was he, he was playing a, a, a running gun style uh, game that you know that he 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 perfected over at um, Texas Tech. You know because Texas Tech is a pass heavy offense, so. The transition to the NFL was almost like, okay, he's going to really have to show us. And by having Andy Reid and that crew develop him, like all those coaches have been with him pretty much the whole time. Nagy went to Chicago for a little bit, but he's back. So, you know, that's what, what the, what, that's a, another thing that Patrick has over everybody else is that he was, he, he was able to develop with a good veteran quarterback ahead of him. And I think that's a lot that that's just goes to show you that the patience of these NFL franchises needs to be a little bit, uh, a little bit more broader. You don't need to be, your patience doesn't need to be so thin. You don't need to keep your fan base at your fan base is going to complain when you're winning. They're going to complain when you're losing. It doesn't matter. It, it, they, they always want to have a point. So once you stop letting your fans make the decisions, Mark Davis, then you'll be fine. You'll, you'll, you'll be in a good spot. Like we were just talking about right now with the Raiders. I don't want to see the Raiders go get a rookie quarterback right now because J-Mac doesn't deserve that guy. He doesn't. J-Mac deserves a, a guy who's already a veteran who can move the Raiders to a playoff position. If you wanted to go get a rookie quarterback, something like that, you need to go get a good young head coach that doesn't have so much baggage on him like, say, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, McDaniel. So, you know, like, let's get great, great example, Mike. The new coach of the Colts, he's going to be able to inherit himself a quarterback right away, something that the other – what was it three coaches that they fired in the last uh few runs uh mike because they they fired um codwell then they had frank Reich wasn't right after codwell was he no it's pagano you fired pagano as well too because that was andrew lux coach and then you had uh frank Reich. so you've had three different coaches and you've given these three different coaches um after andrew luck you've given all these coaches uh veterans so now this coach gets to develop a rookie quarterback, and I think that's absolutely tremendous for him. And I think what happens in that deal is, is that a team that really does need to move, that can beat the Raiders to trading up with the Cardinals if the Raiders want to make that steep investment, 
would be the coach because from what I'm hearing right now, Mike, is that the coach really, really do like Bryce Young. So think about this. You have C.J. Stroud, who's a favorite to the Texans right now, and then you have Bryce Young going to the coach. So then the AFC South has two brand-new top-flight quarterbacks. So the pressure's on, right? Right? Right. You know know what I mean? So think about that. Then once you go down that, once you get out of those two, two, you have yourselves – some more quarterbacks that they're hyping up. Will Levis is supposed to be this this great thing, but as I keep saying for the Raiders, the Raiders, if they can't figure out a way to get to number three, don't worry about drafting a quarterback in the top ten. Just get the best defensive player off the board or the best offensive lineman off the board. Same thing goes for Chicago as well, too. If you're a bad team, if you were a bad team last year, don't worry about drafting a quarterback because now, to me, quarterbacks, you can find your quarterback in the second or third round. And the way San Francisco lucked up, you might be able to find your quarterback in the seventh round. You know, so because I think that Purdy has a bright future with the 49ers. I think that at the end of the day, I know they keep saying Trey, 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 but Brock Purdy really checks off all the boxes right now. And he does fit that system a little bit better than Trey Lance does. He brings more of a Jimmy G comfort to the 49ers, in my opinion. With Trey Lance, you're always you're always thinking Kaepernick and that he might go off the rails. You know what I mean? And you don't want that. So I think at the end of the day, Brock Purdy's going to wind up being the starter of the San Francisco 49ers once he's completely healthy as well, too. So, you know, I just think that there's a lot to die to to dissect right now, you know what I mean? And I think that Mahomes is lucky enough that he's in kind of a class of his own. And you just said it, Mike, the your competition of quarterbacks isn't as great as Marino and Elway because look, for for Marino, Elway, and Montana, you also have Kosar, Jim Kelly, Boomer Esiason, Phil Sims. The list just keeps going on. There was only two teams that had bad quarterbacks, and that was like the the that was the Phoenix Cardinals because they had Rosen back, and then the Chicago Bears because they had nobody. So you right. know, literally, when I when I when I think about the the late eighties and quarterback club and all that stuff, all those court guys were quarterback were uh, were were really good quarterbacks all interchangeable as well too you know what i mean so you know and when you had a mount rushmore quarterbacks you can name those four quarterbacks and you're good with them but you have four more behind them if you needed them so you know you're so right about that because when they they literally talking head shows they have five guys they talk about in the nfl really at the quarterback position and one of them is retired now brady so just put that in for, and one of them's almost retired, and Rogers. So you know, it is what it is, Mike. Let's stay with the quarterback position and talk about a guy that uh, we both have had some admiration for, which is uh, our guy Carr. Uh, he was a, a mainstay with the Raiders for a really, really long time, uh, probably longer tenured Raider quarterback than anybody in recent memory that I can remember. His time with the Raiders is longer than Gannon's. 
um, who is the last like ultra successful quarterback with the Raiders. Um, you may have to go back to the days of Plunkett or something or Stabler. I don't know. Um, maybe maybe Carr's played the most games at the position for the Raiders. I'm not really sure. I just know that he's been with the team. He's been loyal with the team. He's a great character guy, great off-field guy. He's performed fairly well uh, despite having poor teams most of his time in, in the uh, NFL. Where Where do you think his game is at like does he still have a lot of good years ahead of him has he peaked and then we can discuss kind of where you think he's a good fit and where he might end up well my thing is like this Derek Carr did everything a great soldier could do for for his uh we'll call the Raiders a country he did everything possible thing he could do for his country and then what the government does is they literally just throw you away for all that service. Derek Carr owns every quarterback record there is for the for the Oakland right for the Oakland, Las Vegas, L.A. Raiders. You know what I mean? A- any record that had to do with passing, Derek Carr owns it with the Raiders. He is. If you ever put play the put the all time Raiders out there, he's the starting quarterback, without a doubt. Okay, because he has all the records he's done. He did so many great things. The only thing that Derek Carr couldn't do was win a playoff game. That's it. Was that a fault of his? Maybe, maybe not. But at the end of the day, when you're playing with a deep, when your defenses are at best 25th in the league each year, what can you do? What can you do, Mike? What can you do? And then every everything has to be put on you. Why? Okay, the Lakers, the Raiders had double-digit leads, like ten of them last last year, eight or nine of whatever. Did, was it Derek Carr's fault that the defense didn't step up? No, it's the defense's fault. It's whatever Josh McDaniels wanted to do, um, and it wasn't good. So, I truly feel that Derek Carr has got his freedom, and. He did the right on thing. The Raiders had a trip, uh, trade in place to send him to New Orleans. He said, no, go ahead and cut me. Okay? So you can say your little $5.6 million, but you ain't getting no draft picks on me, buddy. Sorry. You're not getting no picks on me. Not doing it. You guys are so good without me. So go ahead and try to create this thing. So go ahead and try to fix it without me. That's exactly what he did. So then he can go ahead and sign with the Saints for the deal he really wants to sign with the Saints because I just feel like it has to happen because this is the biggest revenge because I feel like uh, Coach um, Allen already got his revenge when they shut the Raiders out this year. But then he's going to get even sweeter revenge because he's going to get the quarterback that he drafted with Reggie McKenzie and the quarterback that he thought he was going to have a great future with as the leader of the Raiders. And he never got that opportunity. Now he has his guy back and they both can be on a revenge tour in a division that is very winnable with Derek Carr as your quarterback. Derek Carr has such a grand situation that he can literally play for any team in that division right now. Because they asked me, uh, what are Carr's options? I said the NFC South, each and every one of those teams, the Jets just throwing your, your hat into the ring, and here goes my three dark horses, Mike. Here goes my three dark horses, and this will probably put people on their butts because they're going to be like, Pop's probably going crazy right now. 
All right, Seahawks, because Geno Smith is not a lock to come back. Geno Smith is actually going to be able to field offers to possibly play for another team. I would say that he might be headed to D.C. to go play for the Commanders. Mm, Think about that, because the Commanders want to play it cheap on the quarterback position. So why not uh, maybe invest in Geno Smith, who had a hell of a season with uh, Washington, who had with Seattle having the same type of receivers that Washington got. Now, the next team I'm thinking of is a team with a great running game and a great defense. That would be the Tennessee Titans. So you could have King Henry backing you up right behind you because I don't think that they're that sold on Malik Willis. And Tannehill's shoulder injury says that he's done, period, point blank, that he is through. And then last but not least, this one will catch everybody off guard. But this team is going to be so desperate for big-name players at a cheap price this year coming up to be even relevant. And that's going to be the team that won the Super Bowl in L.A. a few years ago, the actual landlord of SoFi, the L.A. Rams, who had a crazy game with Derek Carr this year. And I would think that Sean McVay would love to have Derek Carr as his upgrade over uh, ailing old Matt Stafford, who probably saw his final game last year, in my opinion, because I don't think he's coming back. Uh, He says he wants to come back, but I don't think his body's going to let him come back. So those are my three dark horses for him. So that's eight teams that can be in the Derek Carr uh, business. So that's why Derek Carr did the right thing by not letting the Raiders choose where he was going to go. He's going to make that choice. I would say that the Saints are the front runner, but those seven teams that I just named behind them, they're all going to get a conversation as well too. But the other three, they may not call. You know what I mean? That might just be me saying they could call, but I think those three teams are lurking, to be honest with you, Mike. So what do you think of that? I mean, you raised some legitimate points. Let's take a quick commercial timeout, and I'll give you my response on that because uh, I've got a few thoughts about it as to where I think he's best suited to succeed. Stay with us, everyone. We'll come back right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at TheMikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Talking to Derek Carr with Pop DiBiase, and I want to say that I think the Saints are a really good fit for him. Let's hope that Alvin Kamara's trouble, uh, that he could kind of, um, you know, let's just say be on the field in 2023 season. Real quick, Mike, wasn't that an old case? Because I swear the same exact thing happened in Vegas like last year, too. Yeah, man. Did you see the headlines today? Yeah, like he the grand jury, he beat it, him and three other guys beat up a guy. But I said, didn't this happen already in Vegas and they dismissed it? I don't know if they dismissed it or not. I was kind of curious about that too, Pop. I, right. I think it's the same incident. I don't think it's a different one. Okay. But okay. but I'm not 100% sure on that. So if anybody, any listener out there knows uh, more, you know, feel free to chime in with that. But I, I haven't dug into it too much. But right. on the hypothetical that he's back next year on the field performing and he's got his head on straight, those are a lot of ifs. Uh, you know, another bunch of ifs with Michael Thomas, but they had a really good rookie receiver this year. They got a great home field advantage. They got a killer uh, uh, home, uh, just a fan base that's just tremendous. And then they've got one of the better defenses in the league something cars really never had. So um, and they've got a pretty good tight end group, by the way, that I think will look a lot better with a good quarterback. They'll put up some numbers. So I, I think that the Saints are the best fit for Derek Carr. You got a dome. We don't have to deal with outside. It's just so many different factors, I think, make it to where it is very, very appealing for him. So that's kind of my take on the Derek Carr, where should he go situation. I like the Saints for him, but you know what? Then I think about the Panthers too, because I was like, we know Derek's really religious. We know, we know this, Mike. And Frank Reich, they said that's kind of a reason why Frank Reich had to be uh, removed from being the coach of the, the Colts. I don't know if that's all the way true, but they said that it got a little too Jesus-y in the uh, locker room. You know what I mean? So um, I'm thinking to myself that that might be a good fit for Derek Carr with Frank Wright, coach-wise. Because I'm hearing that the Panthers are very heavy on this one as well, too, because the Panthers don't have an opportunity to draft a quarterback again. But I would say this, why would not Why would they not be sold on Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold actually improved the team once he came back and so was their starting quarterback. I think it was already a reach by them going and getting Baker. 
You know what I mean? So, you know, because P.J. Thomas was already a good quarterback as is. So I think that, once again, it would be the Panthers reaching, but he'll get a good defense with the Panthers as well, too. But I think the fit really is the Falcons, but the Falcons have a a quarterback already somewhat in Ritter. Because Ritter, I I know they're going to try with Ritter. They're going to try, Mike. They're going to give him a year. You know what I mean? They're going to try. That's what they pretty much said when Mariota went home is that they're going to try. And the Bucs, I think the Bucs are just really trying to have a bad season so they can just blow this whole thing up, to be honest. so Because I would have thought the Bucs would have been the first in line for uh, Derek Carr, honestly. Because you get Mike Evans, you got Godwin, you got all these good players. But I think the Bucs are probably thinking to themselves that, you know what, we're wrapping this thing up after Brady you know, Bowles, we're going to see if he can do anything with the guys that we give him this year because he's supposed to be a good coach. And we got a very winnable division, so we don't really need to 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 jump on it. So I would think that I said Jimmy G to the Raiders seems like it should happen. But Jimmy G is either Raiders or Bucks at the end of the day, in my opinion, when it comes down to Jimmy G. You know what I mean? Because who would be the other quarterback outside of Derek Carr Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy G, you think that that's that's available? Geno Smith, right? Yeah, I suppose. But outside of Geno, who who else is available? See that now we just run into this bad quarterback problem, Mike. It's terrible. Oh yeah, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, you're right. The the available quarterbacks are lackluster to say the <laughs> least. <laughs> Sorry, thank you to yourself. Like, damn, everybody got to draft the quarterback. Really, really lackluster, bro. And this isn't, and this isn't a great year for quarterbacks, because uh, okay, we know we're pushing it a little bit with, because Bryce Young and CJ Stroud's teams are so so phenomenal. You know what I mean? And nobody wants to take a chance in, on Stetson Bennett. The guy's been in college since he was fifteen, so you know, no, he's twenty five and what he's thirty two now. So you know, you don't want that. You know what I mean? So, and then you got injured quarterbacks. Hinton Hooker hurt. You know what I mean? So it's just, ah, Mike, I don't know. But I know Derek Carr, I really, I, I, I hate to say it, but I think Derek Carr is, like, his dream situation is with Pete Carroll and the Seahawks because he would get Lockett and he would get DK Metcalf and he would get two really good running backs, a great offensive line, and the defense that does figure out ways to cause turnovers and get stops as well, too. It would be fun. But would he be an upgrade over Geno? Probably not. But they're the same type of quarterback. And I would think after the performance Derek had then last year in Seattle that they would be all in on him. You know what I mean? Um, So we'll see. We'll see. But Seattle is just – they give him the weapons, you know. But I think that um, all in all, Derek Carr – Wherever he goes, he's going to help that team win their division next year. That's how big Derek Carr's revenge revenge year is going to be, Mike. Literally, they're going to – I sometimes I just think they don't want you on your team. Like I said, they dogged Westbrook left and right every day of the week. The moment he gets off the Lakers roster, all of a sudden he's an asset. He needs to be either playing with the Clippers or Miami because he can help them win a ring. Blase, blase. I said it wasn't even about rest, uh, 
doing anything bad on the Lakers because he wasn't that bad. It was that the fact that you guys just didn't want him to be on the Lakers. It's that simple. You know what I mean? You guys just didn't want him on that team. Just And that's what I feel like with Derek Carr. They just don't want Derek Carr on the Raiders. If you put Derek – once Derek Carr became a free agent, he became the number one free agent prospect in the NFL. So, literally, like I said, we, we, we threw out five teams, but we know there's really ten teams that are on the phone with this agent right now. And I named eight of them. So, we know how the NFL works, Mike. And um, it is what it is at the end of the day. Derek Carr, he's not going to get paid some big dollars, but he's going to get to make a choice – with the team that's gonna be that's gonna suit him much better than whatever the Raiders are doing over there in the land of chaos. Look, whoever gets him is gonna get an upgrade. I think you're right. There's a lot of media attention that's kind of like biased, let's just say. And I think the Westbrook example is an interesting one. But the bottom line is this. The quarterback play in the NFL is subpar. Carr is uh, amongst the top, let's say, half quarterbacks in the league. I think he'll be on that revenge tour, like he said. I think he'll make an impact. I think he's a great fit for the Saints. There's probably multiple teams that he'd do really well on. I wish Derek Carr nothing but the best. And I'm still pissed at the Raiders for not making it work with him. It's just a shame that they chose McDaniels over Carr. Typically, when you make that choice, you end up regretting it. Can't remember a single time where they picked a, a head coach over a, a star player and had it turn out well. Might be some examples, but they're few and far between. So that's kind of my take on the car situation. Uh, we got a few minutes left. Are you starting to feel a little bit of baseball fever, Pop? Man, I've been feeling baseball fever since about January, man. And being in Arizona, I was getting really excited about baseball. Absolutely. I, hopefully, hopefully we you can we can go down there because I'm planning on going and watching the Dodgers. I might need to. And Fanatics View does cover the um, Rangers as well too, so I don't mind looking at this this Rangers team as well too. The Graham already has his left side hurting. What? Nothing new there. Yeah, and I said, and and I and we all laughed when the Rangers gave them all that money because we know that the Mets had something in the same ballpark, but they weren't going to overspend on somebody that they've drafted and they have all of his medical records. They just weren't going to do that. They were willing to give up a certain amount, but they weren't going to go crazy about the ground. Yeah, you know I mean because they know he's never healthy. So now the Rangers get to inherit another player who's not healthy. Because that's exactly what the Rangers do. So, you know, there's no surprise there. And, um, yeah, I, I truly – and the Dodgers just brought in Jimmy Nelson as well, too. So I think there's going to be a lot of questions going into this uh, spring training period about the Angels' future with Shohei Otani. Now, in my well, mind, when you're in L.A., you have to have star power. You might need to have two star power type players to compete with the Dodgers. And so we saw that Trout couldn't carry the Angels into the popularity contest on his own. I think the team got a lot more popular when they had two of the best players in the world on their club. Didn't translate to wins. I can't imagine that the Angels don't do everything they can to keep Shohei Otani. 
but it doesn't sound like they are. That's just puzzling to me, man. I would spend the money. You know, I would give him, you take a DeGrom contract and you take a, you know, a power hitter contract and you just give them both to him. <laughs> you know, you give him what he wants. He's right, not much but- of an attraction. And keep in mind all the sales that you get in Japan. You know, it's like that's something that nobody else carries. All that revenue. Isn't Trout four hundred million on the uh, payroll right now? They're paying Trout forty million dollars a year. They right. can't afford. It's just Artie Moreno just knows at the end of the day, this is a fifty, this is a forty-five, fifty million dollar a year player. He he can't afford him. It's it's just that simple. And I feel like his 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 better days are sitting over at the ravine, to be honest. And I think that. Um, you know, Moreno is just doing this on some uh, on some on some really silly stuff because he doesn't even understand that the the richer Asian market in California is actually in Orange County. The rich Asian people, you know, what I mean, like they're rich out here too, but those people are the ones that are like running, trying to run for president. You know, what I mean, so you know, he needs to really figure out what his market is, and then just say, "I'm going to overspend on Shohei." No, you make a lot of good points, and I'm going to jump in because we got to close the show up here, Pop. But I think that'll be an interesting discussion as the spring training period, uh, you know, advances. Let's leave it there, Pop. We'll pick up next week. We'll talk a lot more baseball. We're going to have a lot more time to do so. As always, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to Voice America. Thank you to you, of course, Pop. And we will see you all same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. again for listening to the proceeding from